May we have your attention, please? Welcome to part four of our series of Asset Integrity podcasts. Today, I'm again talking to former rocket scientist, Dr. Emma Taylor, who is a systems safety and risk engineer with a particular interest in digital safety. In this Asset Integrity podcast, we will cover rail. In the next of the series, we'll expand our view to see what we can learn from other incidents, other locations and other sectors. And we'll set out some good practice to consider when implementing digital systems on the railway. But this episode is inspired by a real world event, one that was investigated by RABE, the Rail Accident Investigation Branch. Any resemblance to real-world events is entirely deliberate, and what we discuss today may directly connect you to a reasonably foreseeable scenario that may happen in the future. So, Emma, I've said this is about a real-life event. Could you start to tell us where and when it happened? Thank you, Anth. So, let me set the scene, paint a picture. The Cambrian line runs from Shrewsbury across the Welsh border to Dovey Junction, around five kilometres from the Welsh coast. It was on the Cambrian coastline where we've been trialling the next generation of signalling technology since 2011, where this incident happened. In October 2017, a train driver reported a fault with the information provided on his in-cab display. Signalling staff investigated and worked out that temporary speed restrictions, or TSRs, weren't being transmitted to several trains under their control. At this point, some of us might be thinking, what was the signalling information doing in the cab? Emma, can you explain how the European Rail Traffic Management System, or ERTMS, works? ERTMS doesn't use line-side signalling in the same way as our established railway. The way that information is handled is that the signaller types the information on a keyboard, and this is followed by a sequence of events across a series of connected equipment before the movement authority, including any TSRs, is sent to the driver. The immediate cause in this case was a software failure in this system, which meant that the TSRs weren't sent to the train drivers. Underlying this were a wide range of causal factors, some design, but more were process-based and happened throughout the project lifecycle. The project lifecycle should include a series of carefully structured steps. These include creating a concept and defining a system, setting the requirements and analysing them for risk, thinking about the practicalities, the design, development, manufacture and installation, and then checking at each stage, are you building the right thing and are you building it right? And of course, you can't just plug anything into the railway at any time. You need to get it accepted into service. And and one way to do this is to build a generic product safety case. This is what's supposed to happen, but it didn't happen completely in this case. And if you're thinking, I'm not responsible to ERTMS, I don't need to listen to this podcast. Well, software is everywhere. Digital is everywhere. And these principles for projects are used everywhere. Digital is on track, on trains, it's even on earthworks, you know, remote condition monitoring. So what happened to them could happen to you in that the software-based information wasn't what you needed to ensure a safe running railway. Thank you, Emma. So can you tell me, was this issue with the disappearing TSR a surprise to people? In some ways, yes, of course. In other ways, perhaps not, because people were already having to adjust or reset the software. And as you know, with your phone or computer, having to do updates can indicate an underlying problem. Or perhaps it's just me. 
So back to the Cambrian incident, information about these temporary speed restrictions, these TSRs, stopped being sent to train drivers. And this happened after some software triggered an automatic reset uh, as planned. But this reset was triggered and implemented in a way which wasn't quite as the designers in- intended. Various challenges, this sort of sequence of events happened, which meant that the driver didn't have the information in their cab that they needed to have in order to implement the TSRs. And what the signaling staff saw on their display was that the TSRs had been implemented correctly, so they allowed trains to operate again. In this case, it wasn't until the next morning when the fourth trainer passed through one of the TSRs that the driver queried what had happened to his TSR. A signaling technician then discovered that no TSR information was being sent to any trains on the whole of the Cambrian line. Emma, I'm going to jump in here to reiterate that this was a real-world event. I want to highlight one of the recommendations from the Rail Accident Investigation Branch, RABE Investigation, into the incident, which is freely available from their website and linked to in our podcast notes. Here's a quote from the third recommendation. Network Rail, in consultation with RSSB and the wider rail industry, should review and, where necessary, improve the capture and dissemination of safety learning available through the reporting and systematic investigation of a complex software-based system failure. We'll come back to what constitutes a complex software system later, but for now, let's concentrate on the capture of safety learning. What didn't happen in this case? Well, Ant, it took the technician some time to return the system to normal operation. As you might expect, there would be resets of the servers in the system. Remember, I talked about that series of connected equipment, and obviously they were on the phone to system manufacturers and asking for support at various stages in this process. But within this system, we also need to consider the process and the people as well. One of the things you need to have in place when something like this goes wrong is the ability to step back and have a look at the event and the data logs with all the system information in place so you can understand what happened. In this case, due to a number of reasons, that wasn't saved and then later it got overwritten. And in fact, this was only the latest in a series of steps of the software development update, installation, modification over a period of time. And that in itself, that evolution wasn't well recorded either. This meant it was very difficult to turn back time to understand what had happened and when, which meant that we lost a huge source of learning. Evidence reconstruction was very difficult, perhaps maybe even near impossible in some cases, and so reasonable guesses had to be made, and a lot of time was spent by all. This evidence reconstruction, identifying the causal factors and at what point they happened during the project lifecycle is important. This is one of the key messages that came out of the Rail Accident Investigation Branch or RABE report on the Cambrian incident. So Emma, if you can't turn back time, you can't work out what went wrong. And so you can't do anything to stop it happening again. Exactly. This is why reporting system faults, however small or inexplicable they might be, is so important. And it is critically important that you consider how the operational information, how the software configuration information, and how the error logs will be identified and recorded over months and years. How do you interface systems from different manufacturers? And how do you combine systems with different design timescales? How do you mesh a new and rapidly changing design with another with more mature configuration, i.e. fewer updates and uprefs? How can you be sure the bits will still fit together and work together as things change? 
There have already been examples on the operational railway where the software update of one system had unintended consequences on other systems, causing performance problems. Okay, Emma, thank you. The RAID recommendation refers specifically to complex software systems, and I can imagine drivers and guards and perhaps even some in control rooms thinking, I only have to turn this key and press that button, that can't be a complex system. Or perhaps to reset a system, just turn it off and turn it back on again. That can't be counted as complex. How would you suggest people determine whether the software behind what they're using is complex or not? My personal view on this, and it is only a personal view, is I think you need to understand what's happening under the bonnet of that system in order to be able to reassure yourself that it is simple. And that's not only the system itself, but its connections with other systems. Something that might itself have very simple functionality, but is connected to 50 other systems, say, each with their own functionality, well, for me, that's a a complex system. A question to ask yourself, can you describe the code in the software? Did you develop it? Do you know which code blocks affect which others within the overall system? If you can answer yes, then perhaps you might consider it to be simple because you understand it. If not, perhaps it's safer to assume that it's complex. And complex systems equal complex failures. This is why it's so important to have a complete categorization of safety-critical ERTMS failures, to think through all the ways in which something could go wrong and have all the appropriate measures in place to ensure that capture and retention of data that could be useful to investigate any future failure is retained. It's that ability to turn back time again. So, by implication, complex software-based systems have quite broad boundaries. A door control system, for example, isn't completely separate from other digital systems that help run a train. Do we have to change our way of thinking about systems? Yes, absolutely. Not only are there interconnections between the individual programs that help run that train, there are parts outside that train which need to be considered. The three main components are people, processes, and plant. And that's another word for stuff, if you like, Uh, equipment, things that help the railway run. Now, these three categories are derived from a safety management system from a different sector, but they're just a way of thinking about the different elements of a system to make sure that you cover all the things can go wrong and then consider all the measures which are need to be in place to keep the system operating and operating safely. Some of this stuff bit we're already familiar with, the physical bits that make up the train and the infrastructure that they run on it. But not all of it. We also have to consider the digital parts inside those physical bits as well. And that's the subject of an earlier podcast on digital safety. And as we've seen on the Cambrian case, the digital parts work together with the physical operation of the system. And if they don't work well, then the overall system doesn't work well. And when you think broadly about all the disciplines involved, directly and indirectly, with any system on the railway, it covers everything from project management to procurement to operational staff, technical staff, maintenance, and so on. And all of them need to have access to the relevant information in order to be able to assimilate it. And we need systems engineering specialists to take the overall view. Companies' management processes need to reflect that broad reach across disciplines. It might seem strange coming from someone who works for a standards organization, and it is a personal view that perhaps compliance with existing standards and assessment of that compliance by organizations known as NOBOs, DBOs, and ASBOs, assessment of compliance against those standards, might not always give a complete and comprehensive cross-check against all the things that might go wrong. 
with digital, perhaps more than anything, we are still learning and updating our understanding and also updating those standards and more. Things continue to change. For me, there's another aspect that's going to have to change as well. We're all going to have to learn a little bit of a new language and get comfortable with it. Start to increase our understanding about these systems and what can go wrong. Now, of course, there's never going to be a complete understanding by everyone because we all have different roles and responsibilities on the railway. A software designer thinks about things differently to a train driver, and that's natural and right. But I feel that everyone will need to learn a little bit of each other's language in order to understand and explain how things are supposed to work and what happens when something does go wrong. Everyone might need a little bit of digital competency, and these Asset Integrity podcasts are designed to help support that understanding. Emma, that sounds like something of a challenge, and yet one we will have to address in the not-too-distant future. But to round off this episode, can you tell me what the industry is doing at the moment? Yes, of course. And I'd also say that we do need to look at addressing it now, and that's what people are doing. Now, Network Rail and the rest of the rail industry, as part of response to the Cambrian RABE report, are bringing together case studies on complex software-based systems and including those from other industries, which will identify complex management and process causal factors and that all-important safety learning that can be extracted. And the Cambrian incident is only one example of where learning can be gained. And of course, we'll use the past learnings to anticipate the future, to try and consider some scenarios, some reasonably foreseeable cases of what might happen with these complex digital systems. Our next podcast will provide more examples of these case studies. There will be online resources and there is further an asset integrity webinar that we recorded soon as well. And Network Rail and others are working to make more material publicly available as well. And you'll be able to see links to that in the notes for this podcast. We are, of course, as an industry, looking at improving alerting, reporting, and our understanding of incidents. Our existing national incident reporting NIR online system is in place. And of course, we have the cross-industry Smith system, which is the safety intelligence management system that RSSB runs. And that can record and needs to be used to record all types of faults found by those who maintain and operate our trains. And of course, there is a legal requirement to report to cooperate and to monitor for these types of incidents. Emma, thank you for taking the time to put the Cambrian line incident in context and show how it applies to many parts of the railway. The incident certainly highlights your assertion in our earlier podcast that a digital fault isn't as easy to spot as a physical one and that recording and keeping incident data and also records of software updates and operation so that we can learn from them are vitally important. Which brings us to our action point for today. If you encounter a software fault, however small, and whether you understand it or not, please record and report it. It may help prevent a major incident in future. Part two of this podcast, as Emma has said, will include lessons we can learn from other industries and also more discussion on how you can approach procurement to software to stop incidents like this from happening again. This podcast is also part of industry's response to the RABE Cambrian recommendations, so please keep listening. As ever, please email comments and suggestions to podcasts at rssb.co.uk. But for now, thank you and goodbye. (laughs) 